Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week, we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. Episode 2210, Leadership Ingredient Understanding. There's no advantage that I've been able to determine to a lack of understanding. I've never found that lack of understanding <laughs> helps me in any way at all. And it's not that everything is a, is a competition, but if it were a competition, a lack of understanding is not the way to gain a competitive edge. And so we're up to understanding Lisa. So we've, we've done knowledge. So here we are at episode 2210 understanding. In our leadership uh, recipe. Correct. And what will come next is compassion. And let's go ahead and, and pull the rabbit out of the hat. We're defining compassion as a focus on others. And I can hear a collective, wait a minute, what? I thought that's how you defined leadership. <laughs> it is. It is how we define leadership, a focus on others. And you will find that all of these ingredients are really a focus on others, a right. focus on your team, a focus on your peers. Every customers, everybody. Yep. So dive, dive in. What are, what are your first, what are your first initial thoughts or, or once you were exposed to all this, do you remember what you were, what you were thinking when we kind of talked about understanding? Well, we've talked a lot about clarity. I think it just brought clarity. I had never obviously specifically thought about it in the terms and the ingredients that you have laid out in that order. But once I understood that order and those ingredients, it brought clarity and it made absolute sense on the things that we do. And I felt I had done many of those, which allows us to become really great leaders, not, not self-promoting that, but I'm saying it's natural when you laid it out. I'm like, okay, yes, that makes absolute sense and provided clarity, which is what we all want. Understanding is an absolute vital component for any of us in leadership and specifically in city government leadership because understanding is how you create and grow. We're talking about growing great relationships, period. Relationships with our peers, relationships with our team, understanding of our customers and their needs, their challenges, understanding of what the city manager's office wants, what our council needs from us. Without understanding, without humility to not be the smartest person in the room, without curiosity to ask the questions to get to what they need as an outcome, without knowledge to make those decisions, and, and we talk about supporting those around us and above us towards the mission, you cannot do it without those ingredients and specifically without understanding. Relationships cannot grow without that. You have to know where somebody else is at and genuinely understand it. I, I call it, there's a big difference between listening and hearing. Listening, you know, and you, you hear the common terms, you know, so many of us listen to respond and not listen to understand, right? Yep. But that's so common. So many of us, because we're fixers, and we've talked about this a lot in these episodes, we want to give an answer and keep moving down the path. So we're looking as they're talking, we're already developing, okay, I got an answer for that. And you're not really genuinely listening 
to understand what it is they need, what they're going through and what their pain points are, what the outcome is, what the issue is. All of that is through knowledge and then understanding, and it will always get you to a better answer in the long run. What kind of challenge did you face or do you face in making a distinction between knowledge and understanding? Because I have found that some people, they, they think of them, I think in synonymous terms, and I have purposefully delineated between the two because I see a distinct difference. I'm just yes. wondering for you how challenging that was or is. Well, the uh, for me, it's challenging because for for a long time, I know how to lead people and I know how to connect well. The problem for me was, as we talked about, when you're under stress, when you're under different circumstances, you will always digress to your natural tendency. For me, my natural tendency, I am a workhorse, man. I get in here and I want to crank stuff out, help. I don't want to be the bottleneck for my team. I want to go down and what needs to get done today? What are we trying to accomplish? What does city manager's office need? And I want to get those things moving and off the list. And sometimes you get so focused on the doing the managing part of leadership. And we talked about that managing things and not focusing on those little things that create where you need to have curiosity and then the knowledge to get to understanding that you might misread or not even pay attention to somebody that looks distant on your team as you're talking to them, somebody that seems distracted, the very little things where you need to take a moment and pause and go back and follow up and be curious to get knowledge. And then through understanding, you can say, okay, now I get it. Knowledge to me is getting the facts. Understanding is what you do with the facts to be that leads you to compassion, that leads you to now that I know and understand where you are at or why you are doing something I can better address everything, whether it's a personnel issue, whether it's a, you know, an issue we're trying to solve, whether it's a policy decision and we're wanting to understand impact, all of that can only come through knowledge and understanding. And the best example I give in my world is especially through COVID, recognizing facial expressions, recognizing somebody looking down when you're talking to them and you can clearly tell there's something going on and taking a moment after a meeting, I can't tell you how many times we would do like a thoughtful Thursday where we just, I, I you know, I, I say, okay, one word on how you're feeling this week. And the answers are uh, distracted. Literally these were distracted. Okay. And we go around, I have 14 team members, um, fearful, uh, another one would be super happy. I said, that's two words. Okay. Very happy. That's still two words. <laughs> happy, <laughs> you know? And, yeah, and so, I mean, the right. same room, same yeah, room, right. these words are going around frustrated. And so then I said, explain, and, and I'm giving examples. So you understand. I said, okay, now let's tell if you're comfortable, tell us why you have that word. And what it led to was 
frustrated, can't see people. My mom's in the hospital, can't go visit her, can't reach her, don't know if she's alive or not. You know, it's those and tears start happening. And then you see lots of people with tears and then quickly through the same kinds of answers being given, I realized there is a lack of connections. Now I understand it's, we see each other. I'm thinking we're good. We're all in the same zoom call. Mm -hmm. That wasn't it. The issue was I can't physically get to the people I love and I'm the caretaker or I'm the, I've had a, you know, my dad's going to pass. It's any day now. Um, I'm distracted because I cannot focus on work. Although I'm home, I, I cannot focus on it because it's any day now and I can't get to him and we can't have a funeral Yeah, and the family cannot get together and I'm not supporting my family. Well, I mean, it was just this volume and you think for some out there, if you're not uh, naturally compassionate, if you're not um, aware of how others might feel, maybe you're a little harsher in judgment um, that that doesn't come naturally to you. You're not a nurturer. There's all different kinds of people. That doesn't make you bad. It just makes us different. But if you don't understand that for your team and lend compassion through that understanding, you don't really know what they're going through. And you can't say, well, that's not in my life. So they need to get over it. You're being too sensitive. It does, that's not understanding, nor is it compassion. Right. That's judgment. And I always told them, we will not place judgment here. We are to seek understanding because it better helps us serve one another. Well, and that's the best example I can give, Randy. Um, no, and it's great. But I, and thanks for that because I think that is the elephant in the room. Judgment is the elephant in the room. Now let's make a distinction. Judgment, and by judgment, we're meaning critical, harsh judgment. We don't mean discernment. Right. As leaders, as managers, as supervisors, we've all got to make discernments. We get data. We get input. We observe things, and we make we make some discernment about it. That discernment could be right or wrong, but discernment is based on something. And our distinction between judgment and discernment, you know, discernment just is what it is. It is neutral. Judgment is not. That's right. Judgment is typically I'm going to think the worst of you. And normally, not a psychologist, I'd love to be, but I don't have the brain power for it. Uh, I feel better about myself. You know, um, your life sucks, sucks to be you glad I'm not you. Okay. Well, <clears throat> we don't want to build a team that way. No, we don't want to operate that way. It is the absolute worst thing that we could do to build a high performing team. Uh, well, yeah, and, and I think the point Randy and sorry to interrupt No, go ahead. is that you not only can you not build a team, you definitely won't build trust. And you definitely won't have people coming to you if they don't feel like you can understand. Now, I also want to clarify that doesn't mean to have sympathy or to let them play on those emotions continually to get what they want in order to be manipulative. Because there are some that will play that card over and over and over to, and have poor attendance to be off. Mm -hmm. or always want sympathy, or guess what? They want focus on them all the time because somebody else has an issue and they want to refocus it on how, oh, poor me. So you do have to be, you do have to be uh, thoughtful and aware and have enough 
you know, you call it brain power to recognize when somebody's doing changing over to that versus genuine man. Well, I've high got performing an issue. high performing teams do not consist of victims. That's correct. And if you've got if you and you could have a victim. Victim mentality. And where everything is woe just, me. Yeah, it's just how they see the world. They just see and at some point we're gonna I promise you we're gonna dive more deeply into this whole story thing, the stories that we tell ourselves. I learned as a very young leader, thanks to an HR professional who was many years older than me, but I, I owe her immensely for some very early lessons that she taught me, none of the least of which is when you're hiring, hire for willingness. Right. Well, I thought, well, that's pretty stinking brilliant. I, I mean, why? And I thought of that, you know, I was in my twenties, but, and she was in her fifties and I'm like, that's that's bloody. She was old, huh? In your oh, mind she at was the time. Ancient. She was ancient. <laughs> she was such an old woman, you know. And now that we're fifth in our fifties and sixties, we're like, well, that is so young. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm, I'm circling I'm the so, drain. I'm so I'm, smarty pants yeah, now. <laughs> I'm circling the drain here. I don't know about you, but she also, you know, she also, you know, taught me this this whole this whole victim thing of, of how people see the world and how important it was for me as a leader to make sure that people that people saw where they fit in the organization well then i i saw that play out over the course of my career i still see it play out you know people people get disenchanted they leave sometimes good performers become poor performers because they just they they just don't see how their contribution makes any difference at all. And there's a big, big problem with congruency of the boss, the leader. They say one thing, they do something different. And now right. we're trying to resolve all this. We're trying to make sense of all this. And at the end of the day, we go home and we're like, this doesn't make sense. And we come back to work in the morning and it still doesn't make sense. And eventually we, we become disenchanted. All of that to say this, when it comes to understanding and and in one of your walk the talks that you asked me to do, I told a story, but I'll tell a different one today. Have a top performing salesperson. The month is not going well. I mean, not going well at all. I mean, this dude, his performance is in the tank. His manager comes to me, was running a, a small retail chain. His manager says, I don't know what's going on, you know, with Jim. And I said, well, I mean, have you talked with him? No, not yet. I'm just taking a look at it. What do you think I should do? I said, I don't know. You know, you're there. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be up on Thursday. I was going to be there a couple of days later. Well, would you talk with him? And I said, you don't want to talk with him? Well, yeah, I would, but you know, I would, I would rather you do it. This guy had been on the job on eight months, this manager. So I gave some concession. So I arrive and I'm kind of meeting with the staff and I pull Jim into the manager's office. It's just he and I, and I said, I'm looking at the numbers. These are not indicative of your, of your performance. What well, what's going on? You know, I, I want to be able to, I want to be able to help you. I mean, if there's, a, if there's some impediment here, then let's talk about it. And he and I had a relationship that's important to the story. There was some trust there. 
He knew I wasn't going to berate him, beat him over the head with it. And he broke down and he was going through a horrific divorce. Wife had been unfaithful. He had no knowledge of it. Well, it wrecked him. (laughs) Of course it wrecked him. Yeah. You know, and so we have this conversation and I, and I'll never forget it. I, I said, Jim, I said, I I don't, I'm not qualified about all that. Get whatever help you need. Take whatever time you need. All I know is here. Your career going south is not going to help any of this. I'm not putting any pressure on you. But now that I understand what's going on, let's do whatever we can collectively for here. I am not qualified to be a marriage counselor. I'm not qualified. I'm not an attorney. I'm not, I'm none of those things. And I don't want to pretend to be those things. So, but you need time to figure this out. Meanwhile, let's do whatever we've got to do, you know, to support you in that role. And we got through it. It was a brutal 90 days. It was just a brutal 90 days. No, his performance, his performance came up, but it would be at least 90 days before he kind of got back to who he, who he really was. But now his manager and me, well, there's, there's no judgment. There's no assumptions. There's none of this. What do you think's going on with Jim and how many hallways and how many offices? Is that the conversation? I wonder what's going on. Yeah. We've got the curiosity, but we're not acting on it. We're not gaining any knowledge. We're not finding out what's really going on here so that we can then get to some understanding because until you can get to the understanding and compassion, which we'll talk about next time, you, you got nowhere to go. You don't even know what to do. And they'll fill in anybody that doesn't have the information will fill in the blanks with their own story. And it will not be good. No. Never, because we will not assume it the absolutely best. cannot be accurate. <laughs> no, nor does it, like you said, nor does it assume the best. It will be, man, Jim's really sucking at work. Yeah. He just must not be engaged anymore. He just must, he must be looking for another job. I mean, I mean, you know, they're going to build. I've heard people, I've is. heard people speculate about, about coworkers, everything from drug abuse to gambling addictions, to all kinds of things and ascribing some dip in performance to all kinds of immoral and even illegal things that prove not to be true. Right. Because people just have this narrative in their head. I'm not saying it's based on nothing, but it's based on a perception that isn't real. It's why the knowledge piece came before this piece of understanding, but this is such a powerful piece. This is such a powerful ingredient. It just changes everything. Right. It just changes everything to your point. It gives you, it gives you actionable with this. Now we know what to do with the knowledge that we gained. And here we are in this day and age of big it, big analytics, a ton of data. We are not starved for information. We are starved to figure out what does this information mean? And how are we going to use it? Yeah. How can we understand this thing? So what does this mean to me? Uh, You can read about sports teams and how analytics have become so powerful 
and yet they're looking at so many things and trying to figure out, okay, I mean, I've got this spreadsheet, you know, as long as both my legs, but I don't know what to make of it. And sometimes that can hit all of us in our departments. Right. We, we can be overcome with data and information and trying to make sense of it all so that we can understand what we're looking at. Well, and it's so important because we say knowledge is power, but understanding is influence because we are in a position as leaders to make a difference. Once we have understanding, we absolutely can help determine an outcome. Now, you, in Jim's case, you can't determine an outcome in an unfaithful marriage and a divorce, but you can help the outcome of his work performance and why he's valuable and why that going south does not contribute well to anything and why when you come here, let's be successful here so that you can better get through that challenge in your life. So it allows us to have influence and to really, you talk about growing great. What did that do for Jim? Jim is now even more trust in you, more faith in you, more respect for what you can do for him and that you recognized it and the ability that he can truly share his life circumstances in order to have this crucial conversation that took you probably minutes. Yeah. You know, I don't know long how, how long it was, it but a long. crucial conversation that in that case, the manager just didn't want to have. But what if they had done that? What if they had been in the room, right? Yeah. They have now, you're teaching them why those conversations are important. And so often when we talk about this, when you're seeking understanding through curiosity and through knowledge, the biggest problem often faced is the delivery of that. Yeah. It is not, you know, you, communication, guys, is an art and a skill that must be learned and then practiced because often your intent is good and your delivery is horrible. The delivery can often also impact the outcome and you have to make sure you're doing it with compassion and the things we've talked about. So delivery, think about the message you just, you just shared Randy and how you approached it other than dude, what is going on? You are sucking right now get it together. That would have been a completely different, there would a wall, a wall would have gone up and some managers, it's a ding. I call it a ding. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ding you for this bad behavior. Even though you've been outstanding for six months, you're sucking right now, get it together. You know, there are some leaders that will approach it that way. And really I shouldn't say leader in that case, because that's more man you're managing the thing and right. not looking at the people and the relationship. Um, so I, I, you know, I'd be cautious as you have those crucial conversations, make sure you're thinking about your delivery and what that looks like, because that is, that is very common in communication to not deliver it well, which can lead and influence the outcome to be poor. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll do a deeper dive on the whole communication thing. I, I'm sure we'll do many deeper dives on it, but one word that leaps to my mind as you were, as you were talking is grace. You know, if we can just find a place, which is, again, we keep kind of reverting back to the foundation, the foundational recipe ingredient of humility. It's why it is so critical because everything springs from it. Right. Is if we can give one another enough grace in our communication without harsh judgment. And of course I can hear, I can hear some people now, I can hear the naysayers now. Well, grace, well, I don't, you know, they don't deserve grace. 
to which I say, well, you do know that grace is unmerited favor. It means they don't deserve it. That's why you give it to them. That's why it's called grace. I've asked, I've asked a ton of people through the years about grace and encouragement. I don't know why I put those together, but I do. Do you want it? Do you crave it? I've never encountered a human yet who doesn't crave both, both grace and encouragement. Everybody and appreciate it when it's given. Yeah. Everybody, it, it, we all admit we need it. And I'm using the word crave it because we do. Right. We crave people who will give us enough grace to understand and not judge us harshly. And, well, and so, when you think about it, we, it, yeah. When you, when we've talked about this, you look back between poor leaders and great ones. And I guarantee you these things will have come up that they didn't do well. They didn't give grace. They didn't listen. They didn't try to seek understanding. They placed judgment. They formed their own truth and they delivered on that truth probably incorrectly most of the time, right? I mean, if you think of any poor manager or leader that you've had, likely they didn't do any of these ingredients well, and they certainly didn't start with humility. No, and it's why I call it tyranny. You know, they're tyrants. I know the world loves the whole word bully, but, you know, tyranny. I, I recognize tyranny as a teenager. Right. I, I could just, you know, it was when I first uttered the phrase, you know, that I was working for a business owner who would step over dollar bills to pick up nickels because here was a, this guy was tyrannical. Everything was important. Everything was urgent. Everything was an emergency. And I thought this makes no sense to me as a young teen worker. This just makes no sense to me. How can everything be important? If everything's important then there's no priorities. This is where my dad used to have a, he was a, he was in programming back in the day, EDS. Yeah. yeah. He was in programming. We, you know, he was one of the first 70, 60 hired by Ross Perot back in the day, many moons ago, probably people you haven't, many of you haven't ever heard of, but, uh, I remember in his office, he had a, he had a framed phrase that said, lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on mine. To your point, it's often that everything's a crisis, everything's an emergency. It's not. If that's your emergency, that's my average. Yeah. If everything's a crisis, it's not. I'm going to still prioritize it then in my world because all of your issues are a crisis to you. But you, but you think of how self-centered that whole mindset is. Of course. Is. Of course. You know, which, which is a big impediment to us even getting to understanding because if if I don't care about anybody else. Well, I don't need to understand my mind's made up. I mean, I've had, I've had people look at me in the face of new evidence and tell me, or in the, in the face of trying to have a conversation to present new evidence, I've had people do this. My mind's made up. Oh, well bully for you. You know, I mean, it's great that you can be this, this empirical person, you know, who can make up your mind with incomplete, inaccurate information and have your mind made up. You can be that you can do that. Lisa and I aren't sitting here telling you what you should do. You make up your own mind. This podcast is largely about just trying to help all of us 
better figure this out. That's right. And it doesn't have to be one. Lisa's wired very differently than me. Now we're wired very similarly in some things that are crucial, uh, in the way we view the world and the way we view the value of other people. We're completely on the same page with that regard, but our personalities are, are different. Our communication styles are different. She's a woman. I'm a guy. There's a big difference, but it doesn't mean that, you know, that we can't advance this thing forward. No, it's, leave- it's the perspectives. It's, it's, it, yeah. our different perspectives make it stronger. And that's the exact same, not only in your teams and your leadership and your city, but through understanding and the knowledge and the humility and the curiosity, those things make everybody stronger. You will become a better leader. We've talked about it being contagious. Your great leadership, it will be contagious to others and they will want to lead like you. They will try to emulate those same things. Now they may do it in their own style and in their own way, but I assure you there's something that they're looking at and you may not know for a while that they respect about you, which is why they'll come to you with questions, which is why they will seek your knowledge and wisdom. Um, All of those things will, by serving others and focusing on others and not yourself, you are creating this lasting impact in your organization and in your industry. Because even if they leave your city, how great is it that they are leaving you and becoming better and it was because of you or because of something in, in your leadership that made them better. It doesn't mean we make somebody else perfect because there is no perfection, but in their journey, you have made them a stronger leader. And that is exactly what we're talking about in our podcast, making others better, right? Because we are focusing on them and growing them to be great while we are also working on ourselves. So what suggestions can we give our audience? You know, we, we want to lean more into understanding. We want to improve that in our own leadership and amongst our own team, what are some action items that come to your mind? Well, first and foremost, um, be sure you're cur- uh, you're curious and you don't let things slide by. If you see something, if somebody's not making eye contact, if you see emotion, ask, try to understand it. If there's a slip in production, if there's a challenge that you face, Ask people so that you understand what is going on, whether it's organizational wide. If you're a city manager, obviously, you know to to talk with your directors. If you're leading a team and a crew leader or a senior worker, um, make sure you're just talking with your team. If there's a solution or an issue at hand, get perspective, get understanding so that you can act on it well, and you've got the facts because acting on facts will always serve you better than acting on assumptions. Yeah. I would add, be in touch with yourself. We know when we're rendering judgment, maybe you don't say anything to anybody. It's just in your head, but catch yourself doing it. Catch yourself making assumptions, catch yourself drawing conclusions when you really don't 100% rock solid. No catch yourself in those moments and then ask yourself, okay, what can I do to fix that? Yeah. See, definitely what you can do to fix that is to get the understanding. Now here's, 
what could be the bad news for some of you who just you're comfortable sitting in your office with the door closed and thinking whatever you think you're going to have to open the door. That's right. You're going to have or, to go. You're going to have to talk to people and more appropriately, you're going to have to listen to people. Had we just looked at Jim's performance and this is back in the eighties, had we just looked at Jim's numbers and, and continued to see them spiral and thought, well, there goes Jim. It was good while it lasted. I mean, you're talking about the number one sales guy. You're talking about a guy that was consistently at the top, very competitive in a, in all the good ways. And you're talking about just off a cliff, off a cliff. No, we're not talking about a slow decline. We're talking about just clearly something had happened. Now we could have thought all kinds of things. Well, the reality was pretty bad. But I got news for you. We could have made some assumptions that would have been way worse than a divorce due to an unfaithful spouse. We right. could have ascribed a whole lot of bad behavior on Jim's part. Here Jim was. I'm not saying he was perfect husband. Don't know, don't care. Not my business. But I mean, here was a husband suffering, you know, the worst betrayal you can suffer, and it was coming to work. And so, okay, what what are we going to do about this? Are we just going to watch this number continue to go? Well, curiosity drove us to find out what's going on. I've had people, as I've told that story, say, yeah, but what if he wouldn't have been the, the top guy? Well, I could fill your ears with stories of people that weren't. People that were, you know, they were maybe run of the mill. I call them a C plus. Yeah, they were the utility players, you know, but but you need them and they, and they've got value. And as long as they're working to get to the next level and we're working to get them to the next level, and we've got faith and belief in them and they got belief in themselves that they can get to the next, it's, it's all, it's fine. It's fine. But well, there's plenty of about, those stories. This isn't about just giving your a players, the attention, giving them the grace. And there's the other big thing about this whole understanding as we're pushing toward compassion. We have got to be consistent. We have got to be fair. Does that mean equal? It does not mean equal. Here we are in Dallas, Texas, and there are all kinds of stories. Jimmy Johnson's tolerance for Troy Aikman in a team meeting and his tolerance for some somebody that was just trying to make the team, that's a different standard. Sorry, they're just different because right. this dude's not Troy Aikman. Fair? Fair's fair. Equal? No, no, That's not right. equal, but we've got, we've got as leaders, we have got to demonstrate to our team that we are going to be fair, that we are going to extend grace, that we're going to try to seek understanding. It doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what role you serve. You know, we, we've, you and I've had plenty of conversations about how the seemingly lowest level person can completely foil a department. I don't care what department it is. Pick a department and think of the person that's doing the most menial task. And if they don't do it or they don't do it well, it clogs up the works for everybody. Right. And I think, I think it's important also as we wrap, you know, begin to wrap up this particular session. It's also, I think we have to, there's a couple things to be watchful for. Just think on Jim. The company easily, and there are many managers that would, have just gone, Jim, I'm calling you in because your, your numbers are down. I'm going to give you a write-up because you need to get it together. 
and this is just your first write-up, but you, I expect more. And you know, I expect more. And they would have written them up without asking any questions. And that's what I call the ding. There's managers right. that want a ding. They only see, they only see judgment and what somebody is not doing. And they address those things. And how and does I'll, that help Jim? It doesn't. How does that help? help How does that help the organization? And this is exactly to the point I'll end with this story is that I I've had a a leader in over time here at the city and they would come to me seeking advice. And this is how the conversation would go. I'd say, how are you doing? How are you doing with your leadership? How are you, are you growing them? Yep. I'm growing them. I'm able to sit back. I'm able to do a good job. I said, all right. So there are some problems you mentioned. There's a couple of players on the team that aren't, aren't performing well, higher level and a worker bee. And he said, well, what I'm doing with those, I'm writing them up for everything. I'm keeping a log, everything that they're doing wrong so I can document it when it gets to be enough. And I said, okay, well, that's one way. What if you talked with them about that? And he goes, no, they know what I expect. <laughs> and I said, well, what if they don't? What if you think they know, but they really don't know what you expect? What if you had a conversation said, I really need you, you know, I, I'm disappointed. You're not, you're not stepping up where you need to be. And that's where I call it the ding. You know, they're looking for all the wrongs and not looking for what they did well. And challenge, I said, challenge them. Why don't you say, I, I know you can do this. I, I want you to step up. I want you to have this opportunity. Let's see what we can do with the team. How about we find out what we can do with the team? How about we explore, explore with the team. These are the issues that are identified. How can we make them better? Let me know what you guys come up with by next Monday. And let's talk about it and see if there's ways we can improve it. But that was just, no matter how much I tried, I couldn't get them to turn. To, to work on that because there is at some point either as a leader or for those you are trying to lead, you may have these great conversations and you may understand and have empathy and compassion. And guess what? The person chooses not to change. Well, you have served them, but at some point that's on them. So we're also not here to tell you, you have to have endless understanding and endless compassion and endless when there's not effort on the other party's part. So I think if there's a point to be made, I also want to make that, Randy, that there is at, at some point, there is a choice that has to be made by both. And I yeah. always tell employees when I meet with them, don't make this my choice. Don't put me in a position where I have to make a decision. Well, but this decision is on you and you need to rub. choose it. There's you the rub is, it. is putting people, giving people the opportunity to opt in or opt out. And That's right. Unfortunately, sometimes as leaders, you know, we have to, as uh, Dr. Cloud says, we have to make things come to a necessary ending. Um, and that normally can be a big opportunity for the other person as well, should they choose to make it an opportunity. But again, yeah, to your point, that's on them. When it comes to the understanding, I would just end on this note. You are really seeking to answer one question, and that question is why? Why has Jim's performance gone south? Why do I have the assumption that I have? Why am I making this judgment? Well, let's be brave enough to find out. 
let's just be brave enough to find out and add understanding, you know, to your arsenal. That's my parting shot. I'll give you the last word. I appreciate it. And I think, uh, with applying these as, as we've always said, please make sure you work on this and you apply it in your world and in your role. And you will become better because of it, as will those that you are serving, whether it's up, out, or down. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.